Welcome back to Body Talk with Bex. This week I had the pleasure of speaking with Christine Lepton. She's from Scotland and was born with bladder extrophy, just like me. So let's just jump right on into this interview. Well, I want to know if I'm pronouncing your name correctly. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. How did you say it? Sorry, Kirstine. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness! Okay. Did you get coached by Tom on how to do that? Because a lot no. of Americans don't. They they say it as like Kirstine. So like oh. I don't know why. So yeah, I thought maybe Tom would have told you it's <laughs> Kirstine. No, no, I was just guessing. <laughs> Well, yeah, good guess. You are pronouncing it right. <laughs> Thank you. Yay. Because, <laughs> like, I don't want to be butchering your name the entire time we're talking. <laughs> it's okay. I've been called worse. So, <laughs> so you have bladder extrophy. I do. Yes, I yeah. do. So, I was born with bladder extrophy in 1993. Um, and when I was listening to your podcast around how, when you were born, your mum didn't have the luxury of Facebook pages and, and everything else. So, when you were talking about how she kind of had to go out and do a lot of research, it really resonated with me because my parents basically went and did the exact same thing. They were looking up. I don't know if you remember, but you'd have like massive medical journals with everything oh. in them. And then my mum and dad kept one and that, that they'd used originally. And literally, it must have been about 5,000 pages. And there was oh. like maybe a paragraph about right. bladder extrophy. <laughs> and they were like, right. what is this? So, yeah, I was, I thought that was actually quite interesting because I was just listening. Like, we've basically been through a lot of really similar experiences. Um, yeah. And in completely different countries, which was interesting. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you were only born a year after me. So we were kind of grew up in the same generation of like yep. medical technology, too. Yeah. And influence, so that's interesting. Absolutely. Technology, understanding. Um, and yeah, I think I, I don't know what the level, obviously, the level of understanding now is, is a lot sort of broader and and it's a lot more spoken about but I do think that social media has had a massive impact on that because what I found on things like Facebook and stuff is that people are sharing what they've been through and just seeing you know what parents of children with bladder extrophy are now being offered in terms of procedures and stuff I mean that was just scientific dreaming for us wasn't it it just felt like complete sci-fi um (laughs) And now you just kind of read it and you think, that's amazing that it's come. And I like to think I'm still young. So like in such a short amount of time, you know, for all these procedures, because there was one procedure called the Kelly procedure and I'm not a doctor and I don't know exactly how it works. But I remember when I'd first heard about it, I was really excited at the prospect of the potential of being able to not have to use a catheter to void my bladder um yeah but it was very fresh and 
when I was kind of pitched the idea to mum and dad, I don't do well with anaesthetics. I don't do well with operations. I have severe anxiety issues when it comes to that. So mum and dad had kind of said, I don't, you know, is it worth it? You know, after everything you've been through, do you want to put yourself through it again? And it's all new and fresh. And, you know, it, it's not been done on that many patients. Whereas now I'm scrolling through and all these parents are like, oh, they've had the Kelly procedure. And when you talk about the Mitrofenoff procedure, which you've obviously spoken about in previous episodes, everybody's kind of going, oh, what's that? That must be quite old school. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it doesn't feel that old school, but it, no, like it obviously, you know, it is. And to be fair, I, I wouldn't. I don't think now I would have it any other way. Now that I'm a bit older, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good with where I'm at. But yeah, it's really interesting just seeing what other people are are dealing with and going through now. I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. It does make you feel a little bit old looking at like some of the new stuff that is available. Yes. And- Wow, that's gone a long way since like I had the option of, you know. Yeah, you go on to give advice and then it's like, oh, my advice is about 20 years. Yeah, it's too old. (laughs) Yeah, and you're like, I'll let the other ones answer this then. And it does, it feels feels quite strange. And then you sometimes feel a bit like a fish out of water. And I think actually what is really interesting about this conversation is that it's it's constantly changing you know the, yeah. the treatment and stuff for extra patients because I'll speak to people who are maybe 15 20 years older than me and they're saying that the procedure that we had done was really modern and for them that was like sci-fi and they would have loved yeah. to have had that option so it's quite interesting because I always sometimes think well always sometimes I always think that it's not very researched and there aren't a lot of advancements in it because it's such a rare condition. But with the amount of different things that are happening, if you look back through the years of treatment options, it's always advancing. And whether or not that's because people are particularly researching extrophy or, you know, it's coming from other areas of research where you've got those few kind of golden mines going that would work for extrophy patients. You just think right. it's always advancing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily. I know. It's, yeah. Yeah, it does. It makes you feel a bit more fortunate and about the future as well, because obviously, you know, we're, we're lucky with where we are now, but you never know what our bodies might throw at us in the future. Hopefully nothing. Um, Hopefully not too much. <laughs> I know, touch wood. <laughs> so I think one of the main things I noticed that's different between what you grew up with and what I grew up with was that um, when I was born, the surgery that I had right away, they actually put my bladder back in my body. And so it sounded like you didn't have that. You had your bladder on the outside for quite a while, it sounded like. Yeah. So when I was born, that wasn't a priority at all to get my bladder back on the inside. Um, So my first surgery, I was four hours old. And the idea, I don't know if you had the same thing, but I was basically in a cast for a long time. They'd like broken my hips to put my bones back together the way that they should have been. Oh my goodness. And apparently that's the kind of fix. The way they put it is people with extrophy have got a different walk because their gait, as they say, is wider. So if you watch me walking, my feet, uh, I'm doing this and I know it's a podcast, but so that you can see, my feet (laughs) kind of point outwards. Mind if that too. makes sense and apparently that's because of what is, is part of having extra face so oh. that was my first surgery and putting my bladder back in my body didn't seem to be 
a massive thing, which I think must have been really tough for my parents. And I think, so when I got my mitrophin off, I think I must have been about four when I had it. And what they did was they put my bladder back in my body, but they gave me an external stoma. So you could basically see it. And it looked actually just like part of my bladder was still on the outside of my body. And for years, I thought that was the case. And then when I was speaking to mum and dad about it, they had said, no, that was actually an external stoma. But I had thought that they'd just moved my bladder (laughs) and left some of it outside. And similarly to you, I, the initial hospital and surgeon that I went to, they weren't overly experienced at all. And I'm not here to kind of name names and slate anybody, but went in and, and they were doing their best. But I think every time I went in for surgery, I was coming out worse, you know, because they were trying different things. So uh, the last surgery that I'd had was when I came out with the external stoma. I had no control over my bladder, so I was still having to wear nappies. And that was a really big thing for me. I wanted to wear big girl pants, you know, because I I had that same too. (laughs) Yeah, like you're going to school and you're in nappies and that's not such a big thing. But when you're going out shopping with your friends or with your mum for clothes, and you see all these cute wee underwear and your friends are buying it and you're not. And like, I think it's times like that that you think, oh, I am different. And I, I never think like that so much, but that was always my big thing when I was young. I wanted a belly button and I wanted to wear big girl pants. And I remember mum and dad had said that to my surgeon at the time, you know, when is she going to be able to do this? And my surgeon had said, oh, we'll cross that bridge when she's about 16 or so. And mum and dad were like, she's four. And she's asking for this. She's not getting to 16 in nappies. Um, But, you know, it was very much a case of delay, delay, delay. And if I think of something else that we can try, we'll put her back in the operating table and then we'll see how it goes. And it just felt like every time it was just getting worse. So it's a no wonder you developed anxiety around surgery when that was your experience with it. Yeah. And and I think that's the thing, because, you know, if it was a case of if I was every time I was going in, if mum and dad were able to say, when you come out, you'll be better and you won't have a bad tummy anymore and you won't see your bladder, like, you know, small things like that, I think would have made a huge impact. But obviously, yeah, every time I was coming in for surgery, I was coming out feeling more unwell, horrible long hospital stays. Similar to you, my surgeon wasn't very friendly. His answers weren't supportive. You know, I'd be saying to him, how long do I have to be in here? And his response would be, how long is a piece of string? <laughs> you know, you can. What? Yeah, and, and it was very much like that. And, you know, when he came in, it was all, you know, there was like a tension. It, it felt like he was this like God kind of creature. And he he didn't have that approachability that my surgeon that, did all my amazing surgery on me ended up having but it was that way like you'd feel uncomfortable asking any questions and then when you did it would be how long is a piece of string and he'd never really acknowledge me either he'd always speak to my parents you know he'd come in and I was very much I was the patient we don't address the patient we address the parents but I was one I have a lot of questions as well and you'll you'll know that from from your experiences your parents have the medical questions that probably need answered but as a patient and as a child you want to know you know what's your life going to be like when can you go back out and play with your friends when are you going to be out of nappies and I never right. really had that option to to ask him those things and I think that's where I really struggled so yes yeah, anesthetic and surgery is just properly anxiety inducing for me now yeah I can see why yeah 
did you have like an open line of communication with your parents then regarding everything? Like, were they open to answering your questions to the best of their ability? Yeah, kind of. So I always grew up knowing that I had bladder extra. And I can't yeah. remember when it really clicked for me that I was like, oh, that was weird that I was born with my bladder outside my body. But I always knew I was different. I always knew I had to be careful with my stomach. Um, I have two older brothers who also were told, you know, you can't play rough and tumble with Kirstine the way that you would with yourselves. And because where I grew up, it was a fairly small place. So everybody knew everybody. And my mum and dad decided to be really open and honest and transparent that I had been born with my bladder outside my body. They weren't expecting it. They didn't know what it was going to be. But the reason that they had wanted to do that was because in a small place, the rumour mill just goes mental. So they were like, we don't want it to come out that she was born with two heads or, you know. (laughs) know, Ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, just something mad. Um, And they were like, and, and the way they saw it, and I think this has kind of made me the person I am today, was if any of our friends don't accept it, then they're not our friends anymore because she's our daughter and we're there for her. And I think from that and from my mum and dad being so open, I just kind of, everybody just knew about me. So, you know, it was never a secret. So all my school friends and stuff knew. And I think off the back of that, we did have that open line of communication. But when I was scheduled to go to the hospital in London that did end up treating me, they didn't tell me until about two or three weeks before the surgery because they knew it would be two or three weeks of me saying, I'm not going, I'm not doing it. It's, it's not happening and you know every excuse under the sun I feel better now <laughs> like, right. you, you don't feel better now I'm like no I don't you know I quite enjoy having this external stomach it makes me different and who needs a belly button and I like nappies um, so there was a lot of kind of compromise so they wouldn't tell me when I needed to go for surgery um, until they felt like they absolutely had to and looking back I don't think they told me how unwell I actually was yeah at points so what how was it with you did you feel like your parents were quite open with you or yeah she was really open I mean I think definitely like the language around it you know grew more mature the older I got you know and I could ask her questions like in hindsight of like how is this actually compared to how I thought it was and she's Mm -hmm. always been honest about answering it but um, she was always good about like if I had questions that I wanted to ask the doctor, she would, you know, have me write out a list of questions ahead of time and things like that. But yeah, I always knew I was different. And I think, you know, like close friends knew not yeah. not everyone at school knew we weren't from as small as a town as you are. We were still from a fairly small ish town where a lot of people do know, like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Can't help going to the grocery store without running into someone, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like not the whole class would know Mm. that like I had something, but like my close friends would, teachers would know because of course they would have to be okay with me just, you know, getting up and going to the bathroom if I needed to go and yeah. Yeah, change of clothes, like in the cubby or my backpack or whatever, in case there's a problem at school, that kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah, I I think that's important, though. And I always say that now to parents who will reach out to me, you know, if they find out during pregnancy or when their children are born, I always say, 
just be open about it just be honest and I think I don't think it would have done me any good for my mum and dad to let me think that I I was normal for right. lack of a better word to then get older and realize actually what I went through wasn't normal because I always think they could have really easily just said to me it's different for you because you're a girl because I had two brothers so maybe I wouldn't have thought you know well I have to deal with this because I'm not a boy so I always say to parents of of children now with bladder atrophy be honest with them and on the days that you feel rubbish um like there would be times where I would cry and you know I would cry and you know why me and I don't want this anymore and it would sometimes just come out of nowhere you know I'd maybe just have a bad night and just got upset and what I always really liked was my mum and dad would go yeah this really sucks let's be upset about this together they were never like oh you know everything happens for a reason and you're lucky that you like I, I always say when your pa- when your child is sad be sad with them because that's sometimes what you need isn't it you need your parents to go do you know what I know that you're hurting I'm hurting as well for you let's just have a night where we feel sorry for ourselves and then tomorrow we'll pick ourselves back up yeah and, and oh, we'll get on that. with it yeah. yeah and I think I've, I've always kind of seen it like that I don't know if that's how they meant to do it I don't know if it just came naturally but that's how I always felt like I could have a night where it was just rubbish and the next day they wouldn't bring it up with me they wouldn't say how are you feeling about everything now they would gauge right. it on how I would wake up if I woke up normal they'd just be like okay she's had her cry that's it you know we'll move on with it and I always really appreciated that because I don't know how I would have dealt with it as a parent if I'd never had that kind of example yeah oh I really love that a lot yeah just be sad with Pete sometimes that's what you need you know you need if you're crying you need somebody to cry with you and go that's really rubbish what you've just been through or you know like yeah it shouldn't have been you it should never have been you you didn't deserve this you sometimes need that it doesn't always help to go oh but you're strong you'll get through this sometimes you don't need that because then I think it makes you feel like you have to be strong yeah well or you know think I am freaking strong I'm still allowed to cry about it (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly you know of course I'm strong but I'm going to cry because I'm strong and I've survived this you know what I mean and I think I've always thought that kind of openness to be vulnerable has been a really good thing for me and I can still do it I can still phone my mum and be like you know I'm feeling really rubbish today why has this happened to me and she'll go, yeah, it should never have happened to you. The, the, I feel rubbish every day when I think about it. And it doesn't then make me feel bad thinking my mum's at home every day feeling rubbish because she had a daughter that was born with bladder extra But it makes me feel like I can phone her and we can just rant together about it. And, and it's, not a, it's not a common occurrence, don't get me wrong. It's not every month or whatever. It could be years you right. know, that go by. But it's just nice knowing that, that you have that, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I have that with my mum too. It feels so good. And I think it'll make yeah. your mum feel better as well. Because, you know, I, I think as you get older as well, your relationships with your parents change, don't they? So probably for a long time, your mum did have to be the strong one for you yeah. in the hospital. Whereas now, and even, you know, listening to the podcast, she's quite open and honest about concerns that she had when you had to be away from home for a long time. And that maybe feels like a bit of a weight of the world is lifted off her shoulders because she's kind of saying you know it was really hard for me but I did it for you and I think it's that's quite a nice part of a relationship I think that you can have with your parents or with your children if if they have extra fear and other illness to be able to when they get older reminisce and because you have that shared experience but it's not it's not the exact same it's a shared experience from two different angles 
Yeah, definitely. So, so did your parents know that you were going to have bladder extrophy ahead of time? Yeah, mine no. didn't. <laughs> no idea. So funnily enough, though, um, when my mom was pregnant, she had said to my dad, there's something wrong with this one. Like, I'd, this doesn't feel the same. Oh, and wow. They, dad had said, maybe it's because it's a girl. Because, you know, they always say, you know, your pregnancy symptoms and everything are different. And she had all the tests under the sun um, that came back totally normal. And I think it got to the point that my dad was getting quite angry with my mum because he was going, like, I'm not excited about having my daughter because you're just having me all anxious. And so my mum had some issues with her difficulties with her two past labours. So she'd had a C-section. So she was scheduled to have a C-section um, with me. And so many people don't believe this story, but my dad, hand on heart, says it's true. So the night before my mum was due to have her C-section, he was staying at my nana's house with my two brothers and he was watching TV and there was a TV show about a birth defect that caused children to be born with their organs on the outside of their bodies. And the surgeon who ended up operating on me was talking on the show. And he said it was extremely graphic, extremely graphic. My two brothers were in the room and he turned it off because he thought, I'm not watching this before my daughter's born. You know, little did he know. Gosh. And then after I was born, so previously he got to be there when my two brothers were being cleaned up and, and everything after they'd been born. And then when it had been me, they'd, they'd pushed him away and said, can you go and sit down? Um, and my dad had just thought maybe they've changed the procedures. It's been about 18 months. And then within a few minutes, they came back out and they said, you know, we think there's a problem. We think we can see your daughter's bladder. And I think at that point, their world's just kind of shattered. So how, how was it with you then when your when your mum found out? Was it, a it, it was kind of the same. She didn't know there was anything wrong. Mm-hmm. They had like all of the tests done and everything came back saying that I was going to be totally normal. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, when it came to the day of like, they didn't even really tell her anything. I came out and they just like grabbed my dad and left the room with me. Wow. Yeah. So my mom was just kind of sitting there in the room with my grandma and her sister being like, what's happening? <laughs> and how, how did they tell yeah. your mom and dad in the end? Did, do your parents remember how they kind of found out from the medical professionals um I don't really know how they told my mom she said she was just so out of it from everything Mm -hmm. yeah I can't remember they just came back and and oh that's what happened they they didn't know it was my bladder wow okay my bladder was inside out yeah and so they they didn't recognize it for what it was. Right, and so, okay. yeah, a nurse like opened a door and she could see into the other room for a second. And like my dad and the doctor were standing there with like a textbook open and like flipping through it, trying <gasps> to figure out what was wrong. And that's when she was like, oh, something's wrong with my child. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What a way to find out. Yeah, not the best <laughs> communication on their part, I think. No. I mean, could have definitely been handled better. A hundred percent. I mean, when when my mom and dad were told, so my original surgeon at the time had, had come out after dad had been told to go and sit down. Was basically told that of any condition 
that that was fixable surgically. The extra fee was the most complicated to fix surgically. And he then proceeded to tell them that I would never be continent. I would never have a functioning bladder and I had no chance at a normal life. And this was all within an hour of me being born. So, wow. Just think, I know. That must have been so tough. I know. I still, when you think about it now, like, I just don't think that would happen now. No, it wouldn't. No. no. So, tough. That's insane. Yeah, wow. So what... What was it like to have your bladder on the outside for a little while? Like, do you remember having to take care of it or like? Yeah. So basically, because it was on the outside, it was constantly kind of like seeping for risk of being quite graphic. So mom and dad had those gauze sort of squares, you know, with the KY jelly. And they always needed to have that over my bladder just to keep it moisturized and also to protect the the skin around it and I don't know if it's one of those things that I've just dreamt it and I I think it happened or if it did happen but I remember so vividly at one point thinking that's my bladder and touching it and it being really sore but I don't know if, I've, if it was just something that I've dreamt or because you know I was four when they put it back inside so right. I think, you know, would you remember that? But it's one of those things you just remember so vividly in your mind that, you know, touched my bladder and it was really painful. And it's not a memory that uh, a lot of people can have. Yeah. So, no, I don't remember loads about that. What I do remember about the external stoma was that was tough. Yeah. Because you had to be obviously really, really, really careful with it. And similarly, you know, you kind of had to have gauze over it to protect the skin around it. And I've got quite naturally sensitive skin anyway. Um, So I hated that. I hated having the stoma. And I think the reason for that was because not even mum and dad knew if it was going to be any better from that. And I do remember thinking, I can't live with this because, you know, you, you look, it's not a problem to look different, but you're conscious that you do. Right. And I think I struggled a lot with that. Yeah. Were you, you weren't ever teased or anything like that? Oh yeah, I was. Yeah. Quite, yeah. quite badly. And again, it's one of those things that stick, you have, you'll know how it is. You'll have certain moments either in hospital or whatever that will just stick in your mind as if it was 10 minutes ago. And I remember I was in class in school in primary school and I must've been very young, about five or six. And I was standing up and I was reading the blackboard and for some reason, I don't know why, but I must have just been like focusing really hard and I just lifted up my skirt a wee bit and somebody had went, is Kirstine wearing nappies? And then everybody turned around and they were like, oh my God, why are you wearing nappies? And then there was a, obviously quite a few nasty comments and there was a couple of kids in school that my mum and dad actually had to go in and say, we don't want them to be near Kirstine um, when she comes back from the hospital because one of them actually actively kicked me in the stomach um, after being told not to kick <laughs> after being told you need to watch her stomach one of them actively kicked me in the stomach so mum was like she's just been through major surgery in London you know when she comes back to the school we don't want them to be near her oh so yeah horrible what what about you how was it in school wow for you not as bad as that <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah. Not as bad as that. I mean, I didn't have anything external like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, 
I wasn't allowed to wear pants for a long time. Like I could yeah. only wear yeah. skirts for easy access and stuff. But um, and I got made fun of that for a lot. Just yeah. more of the general like boys teasing girls because they can see up their skirts and stuff. But like a lot of that because yeah. it was all I could wear. <laughs> Um, I remember in like second and third grade getting chased around the parking lot and made fun of because I had trouble with like staying dry and stuff Mm -hmm. and like with continents and they would just make fun of me for basically having accidents at school and stuff, but not nearly as bad as (laughs) being kicked in the stomach. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a really extreme example. Unfortunately, it did only happen once, but I think at that point, you know, mum and dad had said she's been through so much surgery to get where she is now that a blow to the stomach could just yeah. totally set her back. And she can't. we can't go through it again. I couldn't go through it again. I don't think mum and dad could have mentally gone through it again. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, it was it was tough. And I, I remember it, honestly, it could have been 10 minutes ago from the way yeah. you remember it. You know, just even just the pain and thinking of like, all my days I don't know what this is what this is going to do and obviously you'll know that with bladder extrophy you don't have all your muscles so your bladder Mm -hmm. is a lot closer to the surface Mm -hmm. which means that it's much easier to rupture and burst and I remember for a long time worrying that that kick in the stomach would have meant that my bladder would have burst fortunately it didn't yeah but it's just I remember thinking that and and I know that mum and dad had had the same thoughts but it was a case of just keeping a really close eye on me and making sure that when I was catheterizing everything was was okay but yeah you know do you ever look back though and think I don't know how I would deal with this as a parent like do you ever see what your mum did and what you went through and think I don't know how I would handle that if that was my kids oh definitely yeah yeah I I ask my mom frequently like even still after talking to her and hearing how she dealt with things, like I still just go back and ask her, like, how did you know to handle it like that? How did, yeah. like, how did that come to you to handle it that way? Cause with no training yeah. and, you know, no expertise anywhere. I know. And a lot, and again, that kind of lack of support and understanding. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. Yeah, I just, I always look back and think, I don't know how you did it. Yeah, I, I don't. They handled it so well, but I just don't think I would have it in me to handle it the same way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's a strange one, though, isn't it? Like as you get older, you start to put yourself more in your parents' yeah. shoes because it feels like so long ago for me. You know, like I look back and stuff, and like if if I like rewatch any speeches or anything that I've made about what I've been through, I just feel like I'm watching somebody else's story. And it doesn't help that, you know, you're probably on painkillers and stuff, so you don't always feel <laughs> like yourself anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting, though, isn't it? Yeah, no, it definitely is. I mean, especially, like, looking forward. I mean, you're married and I have a steady partner and, like, looking forward to the future. Like, if we have kids, like, it's, statistically speaking, more likely that yeah. our kids are going to have bladder extrophy. And so we're literally going to put ourselves in our parents' shoes. Yeah. So, yeah. It does. It makes you think like, gosh, how would I handle that? And it makes you think you would probably go to your parents for advice. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> on how they handle it, which is crazy because you would think you would know as the no, extrophy patient. Yeah. 
But what a lot of people don't realise, because I've said the same, what people don't realise is I never made the decisions. Yeah. Like, and it's the same for you. You were in the bed. Your mum was making the difficult decisions. She was having probably the difficult conversations and, and the scary answers and everything. We were yeah. just we were just there dealing with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, like you're a kid. Somebody comes and tells you, okay, this is happening. You'll question it. Well, okay. Yeah, you'll question it. I don't want to because it'll hurt. And then you're a bit of a drama queen. And then <laughs> you handle it. And I think, yeah, because that's crossed my mind as well. You know, if we yeah. want to have a family and if they did have extra fee, because I don't know about your mum, but my parents had quite a lot of sort of feelings of blaming themselves. You know, looking back on what did she do during this pregnancy that was different with my brothers? Did she do, did she eat something <laughs> funny? And, you know, and she she still deals with that. And I always say to her, I've never once looked at you and dad and thought, whose fault is it? But I've had a few people saying to me, would you not feel guilty if you were to have a child with bladderectrophy? You know, knowing the child. And I always think, well, no, because my life is amazing. And I actually think it's because I've had bladderectrophy that I am where I am now. Oh, yeah. And I've had a few really insulting questions like that, though. And I, I don't know how you would answer that if somebody was to say to you, you know, oh, you, you and your partner are thinking of a child. Do you not think that's quite selfish? It's just like, no. And, and if you think oh, that, yeah. it's because you don't understand extra fee, you know? Or what it's like to just have any kind of, any kind of birth defect. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I mean, that just means you don't understand, you, you don't have the capability of putting yourself in someone else's shoes and. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. That leaves you speechless, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm trying to think of what you to do. say. Like, yeah, I remember yes. the first time I was asked that and I was told, you know, you could just adopt. And I was like, that's a very, per-. and I'd met this person. I should also clarify, I'd known this person for a few hours. It wasn't a close friend. It wasn't a relative. It was oh, just wow. somebody who had said, if you not thought about just adopting and then reducing that risk? It's like, well... You know, it's, it's a personal choice. And I, I just don't think it's fair to to lay that that blame because, you know, I know how that blame has affected my mum, even though she knows it's not her fault. Or, you know, even though it's definitely not her fault and, and there's been no proof to say otherwise, as far as I know. Yeah, um, yeah. well, studies so far have shown that there's nothing that the parents do during pregnancy that cause it. It's just something that happens developmentally in like the second trimester, I think. Yeah. Is it's, it's to do with the basically the bones are failing to kind of form yeah, together the way that they should. Yeah. But the point is yeah. that it's just a developmental issue that has nothing to do with external forces from the parents and how they're handling pregnancy. 100%. Yeah. Definitely not your mom's fault. Definitely not my mom's fault. It just, Absolutely. Absolutely. it just is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I say that to parents as well, that, you know, it, it's not your fault because they say, is it something I did? Did I eat something? Or, or you'll have parents who'll say, you know, I never smoked or, or drank during the pregnancy and I ate healthy. And it's like, you could that have literally done everything. <laughs> textbook, perfect. You could have had 12 hours sleep a night. You could have eaten everything organic. You could have done everything amazingly. It wouldn't have changed whether or not your kid was born with extra fee. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, that that was always, and I think that's kind of the biggest thing for my mum still is she probably still lies awake at night and thinks, you know, what did I do? Which is a shame. Yeah, so yeah it's, you know, for us, it's that way of if we have kids that yeah, there's a higher chance, but again, it wouldn't be our fault. It's not our fault we were born with bladder atrophy, is it? So if we choose right. to have a kid, it's not our fault if, if they get it as well. Yeah, there's a higher chance, but that's the case with so many things. Oh, yeah. You know, so, and, and I've never seen bladder atrophy as being a life-limiting condition. I've, I don't know about you, but I've never felt held back, you know, to a huge extent. Obviously, there's some things that you wish you could do when you were younger that maybe you couldn't, but I've never felt like... If I had a kid that had bladder extra, I'd feel like they weren't going to get to experience all the amazing things that that life has to offer. I sometimes think you've got more options. You know, yeah, you meet no. more people. I, I I agree with that. I think there's nothing that it held me back from doing. I always no. still just I found it like as a reason to go do what I wanted to do. I always felt like it it was a motivating factor to push me to actually accomplish things that I wanted to do with my life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and it does because because you end up in situations that you wouldn't probably have ended up in otherwise you know even like this we would never have known each other existed you wouldn't have had your podcast you wouldn't have got to meet all these you know all the amazing people and it's just like yeah you know things would maybe be different you might have less concerns around your health and whatever and maybe your childhood would be less filled with memories of being in hospital and more of being in parks but I feel like it shapes you, who, you know, who you are as a person. And there's so many people that I know with bladder extrophy that always say that they're only there because of the experiences they've had. They've wanted to meet people. They've wanted to go out and help others. And if they didn't have bladder extrophy, they, they don't know what they would have ended up doing. Maybe they've ended up in the same thing, but you never know. Yeah, I think it definitely shapes and brings out the compassion that we all have. Yeah. And I think you, you grow up a bit faster as well. Yeah. I think, you know, you end up in quite scary and adult situations quite a bit faster. And I think for me, I was aware of what kind of dying was, you know, when like you you realise that quite early on, you know, yeah. that, that life isn't forever. And I think some of that is quite sad when you look back and you think, I was really young when I picked up on that stuff. But then, like you say, it brings out that compassionate side in you. And I think it brings out that side in people, you know, where you're like, do what you want because life isn't forever you know go out and do what you want to do and and what makes you happy and that all sounds like ideal and obviously it's not always the case <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm not yeah. saying I'm just a way out doing whatever I fancy all the time but I think yeah when you're young you know when you're younger you you grow up a bit faster and I think yeah you maybe consider things in a different way to, to what other people who haven't dealt and that's not just an a bladder extra thing that's a if you've been a child in hospital thing yes you know or if, if you've maybe cared for somebody who's who's had health issues there are there are situations where you grow up faster and I think that was probably a benefit for me looking yeah, back I, mean, I would say it was yeah I mean from what I know of your story yeah <laughs> uh, I, mean. I, I don't know what job I would be doing honestly so now obviously I'm a fundraiser because I just feel like I've done it all my life and now I look back I think I don't know what I would be doing if I didn't have bladder because I would never have fundraised for the hospital that I fundraised for. Right. So I'd never have been to events. I would have never known that. I, and Well, I say I never, you never know, you know, because life could have ended up in a really similar situation, but I'm definitely where I am now. 
because of the experiences that I had when I was younger. So I would honestly, and I will say this to everybody, and I don't know how many people believe me, but I wouldn't change it. I don't know about you, but I don't, if somebody was to say to me tomorrow, you know, we can cure you of this, you know, and you'll never have to think about it again. I would probably take the cure, but I wouldn't have told them turn back time and stop me from having it. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, cause I've had people ask like, do you ever wish that you were born without bladder extrophy? And no, I wouldn't trade my experience at all. No, there, there's some things that I feel I, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's because I'm married as well now, but there's also that option, the concern of some people with bladder extrophy can struggle to conceive and that pregnancies can sometimes be a lot more difficult. So I sometimes deal with a bit of guilt around, now my husband has to deal with that. Yeah, I have that too. You know, and, and I feel, I've always said that's why I would never want that to be our next step to say to have children because I would never want to then find out that I can or you know whatever so I I feel guilt actually around how it affects people around me probably more so my husband not at the moment but because you feel like that affects the people that you love don't you oh yes yes so that's the only thing I would definitely change would be give me everything else you've given me with it you know like the the bladder spasms the having to catheterize the bladder stones the surgeries but just let me know it's easy to have a child. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just tell me that I'll be fine and the pregnancy will be pain-free. And lots of people with bladder extra have had children, you know, and they've had yeah. healthy pregnancies and whatever. But that for me, I think, is my biggest gripe now with having it is that kind yeah. of, it's a bit of a dark cloud over your head sometimes. <laughs> and you'll probably feel the same if, if you're in a long-term relationship. It's, it's when are you having a family? Yeah. You know, have you not thought about having kids yet? You're not getting any younger and all the rest of it. And it's oh like, gosh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, you don't know the situation and you don't want to get into it because it's not anybody else's business. Um, yeah. And potentially, it's always a question that women seem to get more so than men. I've never heard anybody saying to my husband, if you're not thought about having children, you're not getting any younger. Yeah. And it's like, that's you know, true. So that's the only thing. If I'm being perfectly honest, that is the only thing I would change. Would be that issue. I, I can agree with that. Yeah, because that has been a worry that I've had in my mind for a while too. I mean, we've been together for like four, almost five years. So, mm-hmm. you know, at, at some point things are going to go that way. And we've we've talked about like wanting kids and stuff. And it's definitely something that's been on my mind as well, that it's going to be hard. Yeah. And, and that's it. And, you know, even if you knew, I think for me, even if I knew that the pregnancy was going to be nine months of, you know, quite difficult, the, quite a difficult time, I think I could cope with it. I think it's the not knowing. Yeah. You know, whether or not you can. And I mean, again, we're not the only ones that go through it. There's lots of people for various medical reasons that, that have the same concerns. And often women who have no medical history have the same problems. But I feel like that's the thing that bladder extrophy just kind of keeps throwing at women <laughs> you know until you have a child they're like you're absolutely fine you're not in pain you've not had stones but uh, can you get pregnant and it's like you know <laughs> I still have that one to throw at you and you're like oh I know <laughs> so yeah that's definitely the only thing I'm like that really sticks yeah but
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Body Talk with Bex. Also, just the first part of my interview with Christine Lupton. Join me back again next week for the second half and conclusion of our conversation. I hope you found it informative and enjoyable. If you did, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please consider becoming a patron on patreon.com. And if you're interested in sharing your story or know someone who does, please feel free to reach out to me either on my website, www.bodytalkwithbex.com, or you can find me on social media at Body Talk with Bex.